License 26099E. SmartSense, brought to you by Smart Air Heating and Cooling. Right now, you can save up to $3,400 on a new comfort system. Whether your furnace is no longer working like it used to, or you want to get ahead of the summer heat, it's time to call the expert heating and cooling technicians at Smart Air. Call now and take advantage of this smart offer from Smart Air. Call 512-600-4311. That's 512-600-4311. Or visit SmartAirAustin.com. They're live, local, and talking about the stories that matter to you. Share your opinions with Mark and Melinda at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Mark and Melinda. Thank you for joining us, 503. Tate is here producing, and Patrick wants to weigh in on one of the stories we brought up right before the news. It's out of Denver, where the mayor says the shelters where they're housing illegal immigrants are now full, 3,813 people are being sheltered. He says we're now putting a time limit on how long some of these illegal immigrants can remain in our shelters. He says it's just the reality. We're close to the breaking point in Denver. We're spending millions of dollars on these illegal immigrants, and they're now even buying bus tickets to send illegal immigrants from Denver to Chicago and New York City. And this is Patrick in Cedar Park. Hi, Patrick. How are you doing? Doing well, thank you. Um, I find it interesting that all these cities that declared themselves sanctuary cities a long time ago, none of them have backed out. And I'm not sure, like, they haven't said, okay, wait, we didn't think this through, bad idea, let's not do, we're no longer one of those. I'm wondering, I don't know if I respect them for that, or I just like, how dumb can you guys be? <laughs> and I also think they never understood the consequences when they all vote, voted for that. Hey, let's be a sanctuary city. Who doesn't want to be one of those? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think that they ever thought the day would come where we were letting in millions and millions and that they would go anywhere besides just on the border towns there. And so they didn't think that far out that they would actually be held responsible for calling themselves sanctuary cities and they would have to put up. Um, so... <laughs> It is interesting. I haven't heard anybody say, okay, we're not going to do sanctuary cities. I have heard them say we're going to amend our policies as to what actually that all covers. (laughs) I kind of compared the the only thing I compared to is when, and I'm just going to show how, show how old I am, how how old I am. Back in college, you would get those ads or those, um, you get the mail, buy 10, 10 um, CDs for one pen, pen, penny. That's what the sanctuary city thing was in the beginning. Who doesn't want 10, 10 MCDs? Oh, wait, I got to spend over and over for this? Oh, no, 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 no. Bad idea. <laughs> right. Thank you, uh, Patrick. Have a good afternoon. The mayor of Denver, a Democrat, says our projections are we'll spend $180 million taking care of the illegal immigrants through the rest of this fiscal year. And he says this, this is money that we did, did not plan to spend when we were creating our budget. Well, and when they say that they're probably going to have to pull it out of something else, that's where you get the people that are upset like Chicago. Here you are taking money that should be spent on our streets, on our communities, and it's not going to us because y'all decided to be a sanctuary city, which y'all didn't ask me to vote Mm -hmm. for that. Y'all just declared it. Yes, And now it's going to people who came into the country illegally. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tony in Lockhart wants to respond to our caller right before the news who was saying that the United States should be taking the lead in seeking peace 
around the world, Ukraine and other places. Uh, Tony, welcome. How are you this afternoon? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you much. Yeah, I, I just thought about what she was saying, and, and you know, spiritually, I guess that's a, a good way to think. But I, I thought about it really hard, and the only kind, uh, the only example that I could find or think about on on that peace issue is when Egypt and Israel signed their peace accord way back when. I think it was Jimmy Carter that was president, mm-hmm. and and you know, and the reality is, we would all love to be have peace, but. You know, folks have been fighting since the beginning of time, and I don't, even if I wanted to have peace, if my neighbor's throwing a brick at me, i got to do something. Yeah, and that's an important part to put out there, too. Of course, we want peace. I don't think there's too many people that want war, but we also don't just sit back and let groups like Hamas, terrorists like Hamas, just go about destroying. When, when they're calling for the death of certain class of in, of individuals, you can't just sit back and allow that to happen because you want peace. That's not peaceful either. No, it's not by a long shot. But anyway, uh, that was, that was my only comments. I appreciate the the opportunity. Well, you have a good Thanks, afternoon, Tony. Tony, thank mm-hmm. you. Five one two eight three six zero five ninety. You can weigh in with your thoughts. Uh, also, in the news today, the New York Post says federal ICE agents arrested four Venezuelan illegal aliens who attacked those police officers in New York City at a bus stop in Phoenix, Arizona. ICE agents caught them in Phoenix, Arizona. We told you last week that New York police believed that after those Venezuelan illegal aliens were released by a judge without putting up any money to get freed on bail, they jumped on a bus and headed for California. So they got picked up yesterday in Phoenix by ICE agents. Now, I haven't seen confirmation that it's definitely them. I know that there's been lots of reports today that they resembled, their names were close, and that was kind of the the tip-off to ICE was that they had individuals that had names that are close. I've been watching and looking all afternoon to get confirmation if they actually were. I hope so. Uh, but I wonder, does that mean they stay in ICE custody or does ICE have to take them back to New York in order to respond to whatever the court date was set as? I, I believe they stay in ICE custody. And this confusion over whether these are the real guys or not and their names, etc., illustrates another problem with Biden's open border policy. People like this cross, we don't know at our Border Patrol if they're telling the truth when they say who they are because a lot of these countries do not have a database that we can tap into to verify their identity. Many of them toss out their paperwork and IDs before they cross the border. You've seen the photos and video. Mm -hmm. They're everywhere, everywhere down there. So that's one of the dangers of this open border policy. Here you have four guys. They believe they're the ones that beat up the cops. But they're still trying to figure out if that is indeed the case. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It just is another point of why what is happening at the border is such a danger for every American. Or for anybody that's here in the nation. It's just a danger. We have no idea who they are. Uh, One of the stories that I read was that it was reported that they went back uh, to their place that they were staying in New York City and exchanged 
whatever I, identifying paperwork that they had with other people were there. And that's how they were able to get the bus ticket. And they were aided by a nonprofit group, a religious group uh, that is working with the federal government to move illegal immigrants around the country. See, and uh, that's another thing. I know what they what they are doing, this nonprofit, they think that they're helping these individuals. But if they knowingly helped these people flee from having to answer for what they did, I'm sorry, there should be. They should be looked at as well. 512-836-0590. Let's go to Jesse at 511 on KLBJ. How are you today, Jesse? I'm doing wonderful. How are y'all? Great, sir. Welcome. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to bring something. I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about this, um, and maybe I've missed it um, ever, is we hear all these cities, now Denver, talking about the millions that they're having to spend. New York City, now billions, Chicago, on and on and on and on. And of course, it's been going on with Texas, Arizona for years. This this is a government, federal government decision to do what's going on, to let happen what's going on. So I wonder how long it's going to take, if ever, where these cities come together and say, we need to start suing the federal government to replace the money that we cities are having to spend and on illegal immigrants instead of spending it on things that we need for our city and for our citizens. And I kind of uh, correlate this to the one of the reasons to the precursor to the Revolutionary War, where the British monarchy <clears throat> said, oh, yes, our British soldiers can come and take whatever property that we want, and you have to house our British soldiers, whether you like it or not. It's the same thing, but in a different way, if that makes any sense. Jesse, uh, these are deep blue cities with Democrat mayors. I don't see them suing the federal government. In fact, I believe that Biden quietly has already started sending money to them to reimburse them. Mayor Adams is very, very quiet now. How else could he just introduce a $53 million program to give them debit cards to buy food unless the federal government came yes. in? Because remember, he was he yes. was penniless just a few weeks ago. Right. He was saying we have to cut money from the police budget and the public school budget. We're hemorrhaging so much money on illegal immigrants. And then he went quiet. He has not been complaining anymore about all the money that's being spent. Hey. He was crowing about these debit cards yesterday that they're going to give to the illegal immigrants with up to $1,000 on each debit card. Another example of putting this as an election year and politics above the New York City individuals in America. Thank you, Jesse. 512-836-0590. It's 514 with Mark and Melinda. And now back to the Mark and Melinda show, streaming live on the News Radio KLBJ app. 519, we go to Larry in Cedar Park. Good afternoon. How are you, Larry? I'm doing well. How are y'all? Fine, Larry. Welcome. Thanks for taking my call. I've just got a couple of thoughts. This border bill, 
uh, money for Ukraine, money for Israel. Isn't it ridiculous when a country is as far in debt as we are to be talking about spending money for anything, and I do mean anything? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I've said for years, when anybody requests money from the Senate or the House, the government, you simply tell them we're broke. <laughs> and we can't give you a thing, nothing. Not until we get this financial situation straightened out. You know what would be an interesting little experiment? You know how every year, every department, they'll spend as much money as they're given in order to get that same amount of money or more the following year? It would be an interesting experiment if they were to say, okay, departments have to come back with budget cuts if you want to send any money to Ukraine. I would just love to see how fast the budget cuts started rolling in because I do think that there is a large portion of those in Congress that would start demanding cuts just so that they had money to go to Ukraine. You really think so? I do. Huh. Well, you know, the fear has always been if you don't spend the money, we won't get it next year. They'll take it away from us. Yes. But what? when you're as broke as this country is... <laughs> It just appalls me that we talk about, and, and they get us off on this tangent of discussing this. Well, we shouldn't send money to the Ukraine. No, we shouldn't send money to Israel. We shouldn't send money anywhere. We don't have it. Thank you, Larry. Have a good one. Remember what happened back in the fall when some of the Republicans in the House said, we want cuts somewhere else to balance out any new spending. Yeah, it wasn't even like they were going to be cutting into the money. The money was still the same amount of money that just moved from one department to another to cover it so that there wasn't additional dollars yes. put on it, and that was a no-go. Oh, yeah. Some made it sound like that's the end of the world. How crazy are you to even suggest that? <laughs> Let's go to Mark in Georgetown at 521. Good afternoon, Mark. Welcome. How are you? Good afternoon, you guys. How are you doing today? Fine, sir. Thank you. I have a real problem with this credit card system. Now, I don't know if you remember back in the day, but they would issue what was called food stamps. They were a book of stamps from the U.S. Department of Agriculture where you could take and buy different food products with them. But they were being abused. A lot of people were selling off their uh, food stamps at 50% off uh, to buy drugs and other things. And it was an uncontrollable program. So the government got rid of those and destroyed them and came out with the EBT card which uh, restricts it to that one person to be able to buy food and certain products and in certain areas. This credit card they're handing these people is a credit card. It's not an EBT card. Uh, it literally hands them $1,000, and they say so they can eat. So they are in complete control of that money. They could take that money and buy food, or they could take it out and buy a gun. It doesn't matter. And it's a, it's a prepaid card without anybody's name particularly on it. So they can use it for just about anything, and that just seems pretty pretty scary to me to be able to just hand somebody to the, in this country here's a thousand bucks go spend it without any controls on it whatsoever i think they're making a huge mistake here does it does it make you feel better to hear that mayor adams says we're going to have them sign an affidavit to promise they'll only buy food or products for their children you mean like the same affidavit they sign that says they're going to come back to court <laughs> yeah, it's an honor system for people who broke into our country illegally in the first place. Yep. Mark, thank you. You have a good one. Yes, Melinda. Well, and I was seeing that when Mayor Adams was selling this to everybody, his thing is, is listen, it's not going to apply to alcohol, cigarettes, tobacco, non-food items. It would only be at 
local bodegas, grocery stores, supermarkets, convenience stores exclusively. That's that's where they are limited to purchase this. But again, you can go to a supermarket or maybe they can in, in New York. Maybe that's just California where you can go into a supermarket and buy alcohol. Mm-hmm. Well, Mayor Adams called this plan brilliant. And he says it will save the taxpayers money giving these cards to the illegal immigrants. He says it eliminates the delivery costs associated with providing food to all of the immigrants. And it cuts down on the waste because there are a lot of times where they don't like the food we're serving and we end up throwing it away. And he says they're going to use these cards at local grocery stores and bodegas, that's good for the local economy. So he says it's really a brilliant plan. With one glaring issue. What's that, Melinda? (laughs) If they go to the grocery store, where do they cook that food? I've never heard that explained. Where do do they keep that food if it is refrigerated? Those, Those little refrigerators in the hotelers are small. Yes, they are. I have not seen that addressed in any of the reporting, but he says it's a brilliant plan, so I'm sure they've got that covered. Well, somewhere. and if they're saying, well, you just go and you get food that you don't have to cook, well, then are you adding to medical problems down the road that they're just eating some fast food stuff all the time and then you, you put on the weight and then you're having problems with diabetes or whatever may come along with that? Here come the lawyers. Right, right. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't have yes. all of these medical problems if it hadn't been for you giving me the money to go buy food yes. that I couldn't cook anywhere. So I had to go with the fast food. All this high calorie American food, <laughs> this fattening American food. How dare you? Oh my goodness! <laughs> Up to a thousand dollars a month per family on these debit cards, and the mayor says they are prepaid debit cards. So it's already on there. Yes, the money is already on there. Uh, This is Troy and Gerald at 526. Welcome aboard, Troy. How are you this afternoon? Yeah, hey, um, Mark and Linda. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to weigh in on the immigration. Uh, And it's actually more of a message to uh, Greg Abbott and his team that um, I think uh, uh, Chicago, New York, and uh, Denver, those cities, I think I've got the picture, but I haven't heard anything about Seattle or Portland, L.A., you know, San Francisco. And I think you should step up the the uh, bus loads to those cities, and I think once we start hearing from them, then he could uh, consider mission accomplished. That's oh, all I had to say. The only thing with that is that I could see they're already blaming him for a lot, but if he started sending them to Portland, San Francisco, and Seattle, where they have huge drug problems, those open markets, uh, he would be blamed for the deaths of the first one that overdoses. And he has been sending some buses to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I don't know the numbers, but I know he's been doing that. Thank you for the call, 512 836 0590, it's Mark and Melinda. And now back to the Mark and Melinda show. Join the conversation at 512-836-0590. 532, Tate is here producing. Hope you're having a great afternoon. This is JP on Mopac. Hi, JP. Welcome. Hey, how y'all doing? Fine, JP. Good afternoon. I got 
I got a question for Mark, Melinda, and your listening audience. Now, doesn't it say somewhere in the Declaration of Independence that if our government is getting too tyrannical with abuse of power, we can literally physically throw that out? And what are we waiting on? And who's going to stop us? I'll hang up the list. <laughs> All right, JP. <laughs> it does say that, which is exactly why they want to get those guns away from you. <laughs> Even though our president says you have no chance against his F-16s. How's that for adding a little topic to the mix from JP? <laughs> he says, when are we going to act? Thank you. Uh, I'm seeing on the Wall Street Journal website, special counsel Robert Hur has completed his investigation into President Biden's handling of classified material. His report is expected to be released within the next few days. The report will be shared with Congress and made public in the coming days. Her is expected to recommend no criminal charges against President Biden. Well, that definitely explains some of the headlines that I saw yesterday and today that were stating that the Biden administration are afraid that Biden will be embarrassed by the classified documents. I did. I never read the story because I thought it was already all wrapped up. We already knew nothing was going to come of it. So that puts a, another uh, light on it as far as why I was starting to see those headlines pop up. Did, is there something that's going to be in this report that would potentially embarrass Biden more than... Photos, uh, including photos that show where the documents were at the home in Delaware. One shows the Corvette on the driveway, and then you can see the garage door completely up, and the boxes of the classified documents are sitting right there at the front of the garage. But and we already knew all of that. Yeah, but remember, Biden said they're locked up inside the garage with my Corvette. Well, he meant when the door was down, Mark. <laughs> when the door was down, they're locked up. When the door's up, I mean, come on. <laughs> yes, that's that's one of the things that's freaking out his political handlers. Um, There should be other things that freak you guys out, not that. We already knew that information. We already knew that it was recklessly stored. We already knew uh, that there would be nothing that came from this. I I just, that at least explains why I've seen those headlines this week. Yes. We also want to get your thoughts on a closely watched trial in Michigan where the mother of a school mass murderer has been convicted of involuntary manslaughter. This is Jennifer Crumley. Her son took a handgun that the mom and dad bought for the son. He took it to school and ultimately murdered four classmates and shot 11 other people at the high school. He was 15 at the time. The mom is being tried separately from the dad. And she was convicted today on all four counts of involuntary manslaughter. This is being very closely watched because some legal experts say this may be the first case of its kind in America where the parents of a school shooter are put on trial in connection with a school shooting. The dad is going to be put on trial at a later date separately. So this is the one that made all kinds of news, Melinda, because 
the parents had opportunities to stop the mass slaughter at the school before it happened. Multiple opportunities. And I think that this trial really drove that home. I think when the announcement of the parents being charged in the beginning, there were many that thought, that's crazy. Why are you keeping, you know, why why would you hold the parents accountable? It's just the person that pulls the trigger. And yes, it absolutely is the person that pulls the trigger. But when you listen to or read about the evidence that was presented in this trial, the testimony that was given in this trial, even the own words of the shooter himself, this is in my opinion, 100% a case where these parents are also liable for this shooting. Yeah, the jury got to hear diary entries where he talked about begging his parents for mental health help, text messages, begging his mom to get him help from a psychiatrist, talking about how the parents were forcing him to shoot up his school because they didn't get him help. And this is the one where the teacher saw his drawings and they took him to the principal's office and called the parents and said, you need to get up here right now. And they had a meeting and the school said, look at these drawings. We're very concerned about your son. You need to take him home today. And the parents said, no, we've got to get back to work. And they left. And the parents never told the school, yeah, we know he's mentally ill. And by the way, we bought him a handgun and we've been taking him to a shooting range recently. They never told the school that. And they had to know. I mean, this guy was not only drawing or searching online for bullets and drawing violent images. He was watching shooting videos. Um, Found out later in his diary, he was already talking about shooting up a school. When you have that presented to you as a parent and you know for sure that he has access to guns and you don't mention that you just get up and walk out. How do you not even bother to say, well, we may want to check him because we do know he has access to guns. You have to have a very cold heart, no conscience, no ethics to look at that drawing, which I've seen and it shows a handgun and all kinds of messages about killing people. They just got up and walked out, just stone cold left and didn't say, you better check his backpack. Yes, we'll take him home. And then they went on the run after he slaughtered the kids at the school. Yeah, and the school officials that testified after, as they were sitting there showing the parents all of this, they said, you need to get him help immediately we have facilities that will provide the same day mental health care services so even this line about well we had to go back to work which was disputed on the stand as well from Mm -hmm. their boss or from her boss um why would you not take that and go great let me take a little bit more time and go drop him off Mm -hmm. should have done it could have prevented what happened that day yeah We'd like to get your thoughts, 512-836-0590. There is a law professor in Michigan who tells the Wall Street Journal he thinks this is a very dangerous precedent to start putting the parents on trial when their kids 
commit a serious crime. He he does not like this one bit. He's very much against it, and he goes in depth with his explanation as to why this is a bad idea. And remember, this may be the first time in American legal history parents have been on, put on trial and held criminally responsible in a school shooting. 512-836-0590. Do you agree with this approach, or do you share the law professor's deep reservations about charging the parents? I don't like the way that he phrased that, that this could be parents being put on trial when their kid goes out and commits a crime. That's not what this was. They weren't put on trial because their kid committed a crime. They were put on trial because in, they aided that kid in committing the crime. Same with the, the July 4th shooter where the, the dad went out and purchased the gun for him. They helped him commit this crime. That's why they were put on trial. Here are the numbers. We'll work in your comments coming up just ahead. 512-836-0590. It's Mark and Melinda on KLBJ. Let's go to William in College Station on KLBJ. Hello, William. Hey, how y'all doing? Great, William. Welcome. Good, good. good. Let me uh, explain a few things about mental illness. My mother had paranoid schizophrenic Um you know, it started one day. I was a police officer. She wanted me to run license plates back in the early 90s because somebody keeps following her. And, you know, you don't fall for it. I mean, you're just like, oh, okay. Well, then you try to figure out who's following her. But long long story short, she uh, suffered paranoid schizophrenic. Um, it got to a point it was scary. It was bad. Uh, people were scared of her. Um, I ended up having to get a mental warrant put on her and had her arrested. Um, my family disowned me, cousins, aunts, uncles, because I did a horrible thing. Nobody would stand up and face it. There's two things you do, mental illness. You either stand up and face it head on and tackle the situation and come help, or you coward and run. That's two things that you're going to do. Natural behavior, you coward and run. People are scared. You're in an elevator with somebody who's possibly mental illness, you know it. You're scared of them. You kind of avoid them. You you grab your children. You pull your children away from them. It's just a natural response. And so what do you do? It's hard. That's the hardest thing I ever did was to tackle that and have my mother arrested three times uh, because you don't take her medicine. She's not the one with the problem. Everybody else has the problem. And so you have to just stay on her. You have to send her to Austin State Hospital like I did. And uh, you have to... it's sad, and I, I cried. I can't tell you how many times I cried having my family disown me. But these, this, these mother and father, they took the other route. They cowered and they ran, and their child needed help. He cried for help. My mother didn't cry for help. I, I forced it on her to get help. Well, William, so I think you're I, absolutely I making the point as to why they were able to find the at least the mom guilty of this is because with those cries out for mental health, and then they were living it, they knew that there was something wrong, but yet they still chose to go out and purchase a gun for him. And it, they, they said it was for him. That was the one he wanted. They went and purchased it for him. And then didn't bother to mention that to the school authorities when they were called in there about their son's deserving behavior concerning guns, watching videos of mm-hmm. guns, drawing guns and shooting and having them shoot at people. 
they not that not once did they say, well, yeah, he's he's got access to a gun. Y'all probably should check him. And all of that is the highly reckless, dangerous behavior by the parents. Right. And and it reached the level of being criminal activity. Thank you, William, for that call. Appreciate it, sir. Uh, Doc is with us at 549 on KLBJ. Hello, Doc. How are you? Good afternoon, Mark, Melinda. How are y'all? Great. Doc, Doc. good to hear from you. Well, regarding the uh, Michigan case, as it's rolling through, and then the the father, husband, will uh, have his time in court in about four weeks. So the uh, attention seems to be on the parents so much and that's uh that's proper given the evidence that we have in this this incident situation i don't have any problem with charging the parents given the evidence but as regarding the uh law professor and his uh prediction of uh, gloom and doom on precedent setting uh, no, we do have precedent. Uh, is there not the case out in Virginia of the elementary student uh, whose parent got, I believe, two years for him having that gun, which he took to school and oh, shot the, six the year teacher? Old. Yes, he so shot his he, he shot his first grade teacher. Yes. Okay, so let's discount the ivory tower gloom and doom for a moment, and now let's focus on the schoolhouse. Let's look at that day. Here's my question. Who was in the office, the school administration office on that campus, that day with that young man? Who? Uh, the stories do not say exactly who was there. Some say it was the principal and the teacher with the parents. Some say it's the principal talking to the parents. Right. Right. What we know is, that who was in that office and or who had face-to-face contact with that young man, that boy, was administration, administrators, counselor, teachers. What was the evidence? All right, uh, Doc, thank you. Um, The evidence was he was drawing pictures in the classroom Mm -hmm. talking about using a gun to murder people. Well, so what I think is interesting, the part about where the school officials testified and they said that they told mom and dad, hey, mental health issue, you need to check him into a facility now. I think that's really going to come into play with the lawsuit that's been filed against this the school for lack of doing something. Uh, breaking news, the vote in the U.S. House to impeach Secretary Mayorkas has failed. It ended in a tie, 215 to 215. So the impeachment fails for Secretary Mayorkas. You'll hear more just ahead at the top of the hour from Fox. Have a great evening. We're back every weekday afternoon, 2 to 6. Mark and Melinda. License 26099E. SmartSense. Brought to you by Smart Air Heating and Cooling. Right now, you can save up to $3,400 on a new comfort system. Whether your furnace is no longer working like it used to, or you want to get ahead of the summer heat, it's time to call the expert heating and cooling technicians at Smart Air. Call now and take advantage of this smart offer from Smart Air. Call 512-600-4311. That's 512-600-4311. Or visit SmartAirAustin.com.